0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics podcast with your hosts David and Nick. In this episode, we let Lockjaw go solo. We move Bendis to DC, get lost with Batman, and dive deep into Thor Ragnarok. Stay tuned for all this and more. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the brand new episode of the Heck Yeah! Comics Podcast. I'm David. That's Nick over there, and you are the listening audience here to experience with us the latest in comic book news and, and reviews and all the Beautiful stuff that comes in between. Nick, how are you?
1: David, I'm doing. I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. You know, you know, the world is still spinning, still uh, orbiting around the sun, which I feel like is pretty spectacular. That is
0: a bonus for
1: us, yes. So you know, that's good. It'd be really unfortunate if like Galactus came by and and just munched down on Earth, just just like you know, a, like an apple, just like. Yeah. I mean some people might welcome it. I'm in the in the mood right now where I feel like it would get in the way of some like future plans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean like I guess I would be dead and what can you do after that? Right, but, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I uh yeah, I'm doing I'm doing all right. I am in the middle of my great catch up on comics that I have been behind on. Um, some Uh, four. You when you said that you were catching
1: up, I was like, "He's not going to catch up." And then I got a series of texts over two days about all the books you've been reading. Yeah,
0: so I I have so far um caught up on Outcast, Batman, Descender, and Power Rangers. So at the very least, that's that's four books that I've caught up on. And then today I read the the two latest issues of New Superman. So I've been making progress.
1: That's that's a big dent. That is like I at this point, I think my like physical I have a stack of physical comics at my, on my work desk that a handful of them I think I've read, but for the most part that's empty. I've definitely got some hiding over on my shelves, wedged in between graphic novels and stuff that I've yet to tackle, and probably even more that I inadvertently buried in my long boxes that I'll now never remember where yeah. they are. Yeah. Um I have so props to you. And I of course, have, everything I have digitally.
0: Yeah, I have so many issues of Detective Comics to catch up on. I don't even know where to begin on probably that mess. I don't even know where I really left off.
1: Um, Do you? Did you read the part where Tim, quote unquote, dies? Yes. So you're probably in the next arc, the,
0: like the second arc. Though there's been like Literally four the second arcs
1: arc of the book that's been there for so like the last thirty plus issues.
0: Oh, no, there was something else I was gonna say about about not being caught up on books. Ugh. we've had so many technical issues getting this issue this this episode going that like my brain is so fried right now. I am just happy I'm just happy to be in this moment in which well, we are recording the podcast. I mean,
1: I guess it's so ruined every time up. you talk. oh. Well, uh, I I will just stay silent then. No,
0: no, I'm kidding. I've done a solo episode yeah. before, and it was horrendous <laughs> for everybody involved.
1: Yeah, but I loved it. I List, listening to it. If I, I could go, to,
0: like if I, if I could go back in time and prevent myself from doing one action, and I've done some stuff in my life that I should prevent myself from doing if I have this time traveling ability, it would be to not do that solo episode. <laughs>
1: Wow. Yep. That's the thing. That's the thing
0: that I would stop. (laughs) Good.
1: (sighs) Good priorities. Um, Yeah, so I'm glad that we're all doing well to certain degrees of wellness. Uh,
0: Various degrees of wellness.
1: Various degrees of wellness. Well, sounds like a great band name. Various Various degrees
0: degrees of of wellness. wellness. I'm kind of into it, yeah.
1: (laughs) But uh, we're also into the news. So, um, David, if... uh, not much more ado is that even a saying play the news
0: with any luck tomorrow i will also be caught up on copperhead let's go ahead and dive into the news
1: our top story today
0: (laughs) after a disappointing summer humpty dumpty has a great fall now, there is a big news story that we're going to get to and probably spend a long time talking about and dissecting. But before we get to that, we're going to just go ahead and, uh, and quickly plow through a couple of other news stories, both Marvel-related. The first is that, well, there's an uh, Avengers event coming up called Avengers No Surrender, which is a rallying cry for the super team and a possible return for Bruce Banner slash
1: the Hulk. What? Uh, So are you familiar at all with the, with the details that we know so far about the no surrender event? No, go ahead and lay that
0: down for myself and our listeners.
1: Sure. So um, this no surrender is spinning out of Marvel legacy. Number one, Um, we don't know a whole lot so far. As far as the structure of the event goes, it's taking all of it's, Basically, quote unquote, canceling all of the current crop of Avengers books, and the creative teams from those books are now working on a 16-part weekly event series that's going to be the main Avengers a book. Um, specifically, with the details that have come out of Marvel Legacy, is involving this character named Voyager, um, who, in a brief moment, you see the Avengers statue, and then you look at it again, and you now see that the Avengers statue being the statue of them. The, the original team that found, the founding members. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you see this person as part of the statue named Voyager. So now the question is who is Voyager? What does she have to do with the founding Avengers? And isn't this like the 10th time that we've had a mystery founding member that has come back into view anyway? We've also um, had
0: like the prehistoric Avengers recently,
1: right? Which also tied into Marvel Legacy, all wrapped in the same thing, which is a whole different, you know. And I'll say that overall, I, I actually enjoyed Marvel Legacy to a certain extent, um, but I, you know, I did have issues. But um, so, No Surrender um, seems like it's a big shebang. I think it's also been described as like the next sort of like if you thought Avengers Disassembled was a big deal back in the day, like this is the modern. Um disassembled so it's okay. apparently going to be a big thing with spinning out of marvel legacy and and teeing up the the next phase uh, of the marvel universe um it'll be really interesting i don't know if i'm going to be following it issue to issue but um i'm not surprised that they're bringing bruce banner back so, even so soon after civil war Two. like marvel's definitely like, they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too, with having some of their new legacy characters maintain prominent roles while also bringing a lot of, like, their classic characters back into the fold and, and making them prominent as well, which I think is, is definitely possible. Um, DC has done it to some success with Rebirth. I mean, a lot of success in a as far as trying to take a meat and potatoes approach with their their franchises. But not necessarily jettisoning everything that's new and modern and or whatever, like any legacy characters or um, like any diversity or anything like there. And find a way to try and make them both work together, which they totally should be able to, right? Um, that was a whole other aside that we don't need to get into. But <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, bringing back Bruce Banner is kind of a no-brainer. Uh, I've really enjoyed um, Amadeus Cho as the. Uh, I was supposed to say the terribly awesome Hulk But he's the totally awesome Hulk um, the Terribly awesome Hulk I mean, he's, I mean that's honestly a bad thing. But anyway oh, boy. Um, I actually kind of like that name
0: for a Hulk book The terribly awesome Hulk Like I mean he's the Hulk so he's super rad But he's also like super destructive He's terribly awesome
1: When we get to Marvel we're going to be like Terribly awesome Hulk put us on um, And they'll laugh at us and kick us out um so yeah not a whole lot to say yet on this whole bruce banner front thing but we'll keep our eyes out on it and i'm sure we will let you know if and when it does occur um david what's the other news story we've got before we jump into the big one
0: well the other news story is that also from marvel we will soon be seeing a lockjaw solo event for those who don't know i shouldn't say event a lockjaw solo mini series, for issues for those who don't know Lockjaw is Black Bolt's dog. Uh, Black Bolt being, of course, one of the royal family members of the Inhumans. This is a series that will run for about four issues coming from writer Daniel Kibblesmith, which is a appropriate name for somebody who is writing a dog book. <laughs> art by Carlos Villa. Uh, this is a sort of exploration of the origin of the character of Lockjaw. He is... A dog, definitely a dog, birthed by a dog, who happens to have the power of teleportation. But what we're going even further. How did Lockjaw obtain this power, and is he really the only inhuman dog in the universe? So this is going to be a story about a dog and other
1: dogs. It's like the Homeward Bound of Lockjaw.
0: No, because Homeward Bound is all about finding your family. And there's that really depressing scene where Shadow falls into that pit. Don't and then, like, Sha- you, like you don't think don't. that Shadow's going to get out, so, like, Chance and Sassy, like, go back to the humans, and you're, like, all torn up as a little kid watching this movie, thinking that, like, they left Shadow to die back there, and then who, like, comes over that hilltop at the very end?
1: It's Shadow. David, you just dredged up so much PTSD from my childhood. You are Welcome. So thank you. I feel like I needed that. I just got in touch with an emotional side of myself that I thought long lost. Um, But I'm going to stuff that back in somewhere deep and dark now uh, to get back to the news. Um, Yeah, Lockjaw is interesting. Um, There was a story way back when where they uh, revealed, basically, that Lockjaw himself was actually an inhuman. Like, he was human and then went through Terra Genesis and became their dog. I'm super into that story. For the record, which is like, it's like really inhumane in, in the sense that like that, like they treat like a dog is like he's a dog, right? And someone came up with that story. It's like that's ridiculously fucked up, but also awesome in a really terrible way. But like, this is definitely gonna get retconned at some point. And lo and behold, it got retconned sometime after that. Um, So this, again, this book is reasserting that the fact that Lockjaw is, in fact, a dog, um, and I guess it's going to, on some level, explore his origins, which is pretty cool, Um, and I wish the creative team all the best.
0: Absolutely. Hopefully Lockjaw will get the story that he deserves, I guess. But really, we're just kind of dancing around, trying to get you guys up on some minor stuff before we really dissect the story that shook the comic book world. Nick, why don't you tell us what that is?
1: Well, you know what? A long time ago, he said that this story, not referring to this coming about to reveal story, but this story would break the internet in half. Oh, maybe that was Joe Quesada. I don't actually remember who said this once, but it was assigned to something he was at least working on. Anyway, the big news is Brian Michael Bendis, who has been working with... Con- I almost said Constant Contact, which is the company I work wow. with. Wow. Oh, crap. Now you all know. <laughs> anyway, um, that Brian Michael Bendis, who has worked for Marvel Comics for over 17 years, that has spearheaded years. multiple... High-profile projects reinvigorated like. the Avengers, Ultimate Spider-Man, created Miles Morales, Jessica Jones, all this other crazy stuff. Worked on the on the X-Men, did the Iceman is gay story. Daredevil is yeah. going over to DC Comics. <laughs> yeah, so you kind of rushed there at the end that
0: uh, that Brian Michael Bendis will has signed a multi-year, multi-faceted contract with d c comics and this like this was a news story that was broken by the d c uh twitter account uh and man there is so like like everybody had something to say about this and mostly mostly i want to say supportive um right stuff right. about this and and we'll kind of dive into to some of the ideas about that but like we I just really want to take a moment to just kind of explore how big of a deal Brian Michael Bendis is and has been at Marvel for so many years. I mean, this is a guy that really spearheaded the ultimate universe
1: was like the, he's the original series.
0: Yeah. He started ultimate Spider-Man in, october of 2000 and and rode that through through june of 2009 uh I'm, I'm just looking through some yeah some other stuff here he is the guy that created miles morales uh has written some you know daredevil work that's been pretty important in the last few years uh he wrote alias which went on to influence the Jessica Jones series that is currently on Netflix.
1: He created Jessica, he created Jones. Jessica
0: Jones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, X-Men ultimate fantastic Four, been writing Avengers for years upon years has written so many event comics. Oh man. Like this, this is a guy that it, the the modern equivalent or not modern equivalent, like the equivalent of this that we can point at in comic history is when Kirby left Marvel to go work for DC is right. really what this feels like.
1: This right, would... and obviously like Jack Kirby, I mean he was a writer artist, like he he did both, you know, Bennis has just been a writer, but as far as a creative influence and in a a mover and shaker, love him or love or hate his work, like you can't deny how integral Bennis has been to the overall success of Marvel in the last you know, decade
0: plus. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people really like to kind of give some shit to Bendis. Uh, Nick and I certainly do in our text conversations back and forth, but it's, it's really hard to deny the influence that he has had in the last 17 years that he's been working at Marvel. Uh, It's not like it's him going to DC is not at all a bad thing. It's not like a a big scoop. Some people do view it as like this blow to Marvel, but really I see it as when I look at it and, and Nick, I'd be curious to hear your opinion as well. This is somebody who has been working for such a long time at Marvel. Who's kind of done probably all he set out to do there. You know, like not to say he's not he's not turning in work that people read. Like uh, his name still draws people to Marvel books. But it kind of like to feels like to me feels like, all right, he's you know, he's done all that he wants to do at Marvel. And now, hey, what's he going to you know, what, what could he potentially do with the Flash over at DC? Like he's probably had ideas for DC characters in his head for years upon years. And now is the chance to explore that.
1: Right. No, I, I, I definitely agree by and large. Um, you know, with with Marvel, it's like he did the Avengers. He did the X-Men. He did a version of the Fantastic Four. He's done Spider-Man he and Guardians know, of the miles Galaxy and all that. He Guardians of the Galaxy. Like he he could have certainly kept jumping around to different Marvel titles. I like, got a lot. But at the same time, like through Avengers, especially, he was able to tackle so many different characters that it's like. It was interesting that like he when he launched on Invincible Iron Man because it's not like we hadn't been reading his Tony Stark and his Avengers books for for like a decade or whatever if if you were reading them um that it just felt like okay he's going back over characters he's already dealt with so well I certainly expect him to be back at Marvel sometime in the future however long you know that this move to DC I think for him is an, is reinvigorating it's definitely a big win for dc i mean bendis has been synonymous with marvel that's one of the i think the biggest things about it. it's not just that bendis is a high profile write, writer or a writer that draws people to books it's that he really has been synonymous with marvel stuff that he's worked on really as and really someone the only other person i can think that's comparable is probably mark millar uh, as far as things that have been carried over or influenced, you know, the Marvel Netflix shows and the Marvel movies. I mean, he wrote the the first um, credit scene with Nick Fury talking to Tony Stark. Like, he was on that Marvel creative committee before the studio split off. He's had influence. So the fact that he's not just going to D.C. to just write comic books, but also a multifaceted deal yeah. uh, is big. And I know from reading, like, different like anecdotes and stuff from Bennett. I used to follow him. Um, semi closely on Tumblr, uh, and I and he just like again I might not always enjoy his writing I think but he seems like a fantastic person like he's also very smart and business savvy so like he would he wasn't going into that without having probably a lawyer present and like making sure that <laughs> so, the contract worked out in, in everyone's favor but obviously that like, he was protecting himself and you know leveraging his you know considerable influence to, in the DC sphere.
0: Uh it, it's it's just really funny because the way like this news just came out of nowhere you kind of at least I get the feeling that like maybe Marvel or people at Marvel didn't really know that this was happening. Maybe like some of the higher-ups like had an inkling but you know right. he's he's like he obviously had a, he's had a contract there for years upon years, maybe he got to the point where like the contract kind of was coming to an end and he was saying like "Uh, i'm probably not gonna re-up it uh but just yeah just just this seems to have come from a place where like people weren't like nobody expected this move
1: when you at all you texted me you were just all i got from a text was uh nick and i was like oh shit what the hell did i do something (laughs) something happened something's wrong and they're like Bendis is going to DC, and I'm like, that's not what I expected. But I was a like, holy shit. <laughs> no, exactly. This like for
0: people who follow the industry, like we do, it, it, you know, if I told you, hey, Jeff Johns is dropping everything to go write Avengers under a, a, an
1: exclusive deal, I would totally take Jeff Johns back on the Avengers. I loved his brief Avengers. <laughs> so well, and. Bendis hasn't
0: really written much DC. Like he's re- he's written I think one Batman story. Batman story and that's it.
1: Um I wonder if him being at DC will bring Marvel and DC a little bit closer. I remember way 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 back when he had discussed wanting to do a Batman Daredevil crossover, uh, but there was a lot of bad blood between Marvel and DC. And now that like I, Marvel's that's... top dog is at DC, yeah, and that's really like kind of calmed
0: down except for uh, some uh, stupid people on Twitter who even like work for Marvel that kind of encouraged the rivalry which is so dumb. Uh, yeah, I would love to see Amalgam 2.0 <laughs> cracking on the scene. What Now, I want to kind of discuss what do you think multifaceted means?
1: Um multifaceted in my opinion means that he might get some kind of creative influence or, uh, in in a multimedia sphere within DC, like maybe he will have some influence on the DC TV shows or with the DC movies. I think Brian Michael Bendis and Jeff Johns, I think they at least have a professional relationship. I don't necessarily know if they're friends or anything. Um, but, um, I think that Jeff Johns have having been really the, the Brian Bendis of DC or, and Bendis being like the Jeff Johns of Marvel for the longest time. Um, now, like, they're both in that camp. Um, I don't know. I just... DC... You gotta just know that like, DC is shitting their pants right now on s- different levels, the fact that they got Bendis. Again, love or hate his work, it, he is an influence, and it, that's a huge win.
0: One thing people have to realize, too, this is not a deal that happened overnight. D- right. DC has probably been courting him for years, and there's, there's creators at DC, like you have to believe that Scott Snyder has people at Marvel who are like reaching out to him daily and being like, "Hey, you want to write literally any book at Marvel,
1: Scott Snyder?" Right. and you know Scott Snyder has written for Marvel, right? He did like the yeah. Iron Man Noir series. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. But, but, but I'm just right. saying, like, it, it goes it goes like back LBD and LBD forth LBD. on
0: both sides.
1: Yeah, I want Morrison back at Marvel for a bit, dude. Morrison.
0: If if we see Morrison on a super, he seems kind of like oh, I'm a little bit done with superhero books right now, but he still likes playing in the in the DC sandbox.
1: Right, which like you know, any Morrison is typically good Morrison, so like that's cool. But it just felt like, and we got new X Men out of him for Marvel. I just oh, would loved to have that's seen the, more work from the him. Run that got me into Marvel comics, man. And and Marvel boy, which was also good, but um yeah, and obviously there's. Like the thing is also like it's not has never been uncommon for writers or artists to jump back and forth from Marvel to D C and back and and now. But it's like it's just again, I think what undercuts excuse me, wow, I just burst on the podcast. (laughs) Um what the it's just Bendis is Marvel that's what's so big about this story. Like, Jeff jo- Jeff Johns. Jeff Loeb has, like, flip-flopped back and forth between the different companies. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam Humphreys, I'm, like, just literally, names are just coming to me as I think about them. You uh, know, worked and, at Marvel, now is at DC. Andrea and Sorrentino. Andrea Sorrentino. Jeff Lemire. Like, yeah. Charles Soule. Like, people have, have, have flip-flopped back and forth. But, but no are, one's ever really been too synonymous with one. Right, there are the some other. creators that you
0: just, like... You are like, all right, they work with that company.
1: Right. Like, the, the only time I will see a, a story like this be just as big is if Jeff Johns like suddenly went to Marvel. No,
0: you want to know how big this story is? Like, the New York Times is reporting on it. Right. The New York Times does not report on Charles Soule writing a DC book and then going off and, and writing a Marvel book. Right. Like, this, this story is so big, it is in a sense national news yes it's in the book section of new york times but that's still like it it is just it's it's a good thing when uh i i I honestly think it is a good thing for marvel for dc for the fans for the creators you know uh bendis tweeted this is real because it it first broke on dc's twitter account he he said this is real i love you all change is good change is healthy i am bursting with ideas and inspirations still to come stay tuned you know kind of what i mentioned he probably is a little bit creatively stagnant at marvel because he's been there for 17 years right that just kind of happens so he's coming over now where he has these fresh ideas with characters he hasn't gotten to play around with uh with at marvel you know dc this means that they're getting this big get they're gonna have people who exclusively follow the Bendis name or who, you know, who know Bendis from Marvel are going to look at, Hey, what's he doing over here at DC at DC, you have, or at Marvel. Now you have like these big name books that are losing kind of their big name guys. So you're going to move some people up there and on some of these, maybe smaller books, it's a chance for new talent to come in and, and, you know, shine what they're doing. I think that this is, you and I kind of had an initial reaction of like, oh boy, what, you know, what character is going to get bendized next? But kind of, you know, talking about it now and reflecting on it the next in the last couple of days, yeah, I'm into this idea, man. Like, I want, I want to know what book he's going to write. I'm gonna look into it. I'm curious. I think this mm. is, this is for the industry, for the big two. This is a good move.
1: It will be
0: ambush bug. I'm super into this idea. There was somebody on another podcast that was talking all about how, like, this, let's get him on Legion of Superheroes right now. Honestly, I would love to see his take on, like, a Titans or a Teen Titans book. Something that, like, still has kind of a mainstream pull but is not directly in the limelight.
1: Uh, Teen Titans would be good because he he does have a knack with writing younger characters, uh, going solely off of like Ultimate Spider-Man, really, but and Runaways, um, and what? Uh, oh wait,
0: Runaways? no, no, no. Sorry, I'm thinking Brian K. Whew.
1: Yeah. Oof. Uh, okay, Brian K. on a Teen Titans book. It's never gonna go happen, on, but nope. But but you know it would be be cool. Yeah, this is. It's. It's a it's a big this is a big deal. Um it, it it's a big deal on so many different levels that are hard to quantify, you know, but it is an industry shaker, you know. And like I said, some people are perceiving it as like a big blow to Marvel, and it is a blow. Um Marvel can certainly bounce back from this, and if anything, it felt sometimes it felt like with Marvel, and I'm not saying this was through any fault of Bendis per se, like I'm not close enough to know, but sometimes it felt like Marvel was the Bendis show uh mm-hmm. guest starring his amazing friends. And not even his friends, just like his amazing coworkers or whatever. Like, now Marvel kind of has to reinvent itself in a post Bendis world. DC has to restructure itself in a post Bendis world. Like, right. Bendis isn't the kind of guy that you t- that you just shuffle and put on ambush bug. Like he's gonna go there, and he at some point over however many years he's gonna be with DC, he's going to tackle. You know he's going to right. do a Batman project, Superman, well, maybe Teen Titans, maybe Legion of Supers, maybe Justice League. But, but you he also will be on those books. You also have to look at like the lineup that
0: DC has right now is an impressive lineup. Like you're not gonna tell Tom King, all right, get the f off Batman we're going to let Bendis go on this, uh, you know, even with like Superman, you, you know, th- there are names that have been building, building rapport and building reputations for a long time at this company that right. th- that they're not just going to be like, all right, get out of here. You know, it's, it's now like the Bendis show. Right. I I'm very curious to see where he's going to be placed and, and, you know, maybe they could. Maybe this could be kind of a turning point where DC starts making some weird choices uh, where they're like, all right, you know, we're going to let Bendis do whatever he wants. I don't see that happening. Um, and I know that Scott Snyder was actually like, a lot on Twitter asking people, hey, what stories or like, what characters do you want to see in 2018? Because they just had, I think like this, this news is coming on the heels of, DC creatives having a big meeting of what the next year is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think like they already know what book he's going to be on. They're, For sure. they're just not telling us yet.
1: I think another thing worth diving into as well to, to whatever degree we can is Mar like Ben is a lot of artists wanted to work with Bendis mm-hmm. or like he just cultivated a great crop of artists that like, became synonymous with him as well. Like, I'm thinking off the top of my head, Sarah Pacelli, um, David Marquez, um, Stuart Monin, to an extent, uh, Mark Bagley, you know, with uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, Stefano Caselli, more recently on Iron Man. Uh, there's a bunch of them. But the point being that, like, he's a big draw, and some of these artists that, are, you know, they're great artists. You know, they've been a big boon for Marvel, too. People have flocked to their art styles might jump ship also to dc like that's something to take into consideration as well how that will impact the art component of everything
0: yeah and yeah it's man there's there's so much to say about this news story i think we we've gotten a good chunk into it but we really gotta move on uh because we're gonna also have a pretty big discussion in our review time so why don't we go ahead and jump headfirst into our reviews
1: to the batmobile let's go
0: and as we're moving into our reviews, I want to say if you have thoughts on anything going on with Bendis, things you think we didn't cover that you wish that we had, please do write us, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com, or just your general thoughts on all of that going down. If it's a good thing, it's a bad thing. Uh, but right now we're going to uh, talk a little bit about some books before we dive into a discussion on Thor Ragnarok. So let's take a couple of minutes. Nick, what did you read this week?
1: Uh, so I read uh, Moon Knight number no. one by Max Bemis from the band, who also is the. Was the it number
0: one though? E-
1: e- 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 but, is it didn't but it get didn't get number no. one eighty eight? My bad, there it is one eighty eight. Um, by Max Bemis and Jason J- J-A-C-E-N, Burroughs. Mm-hmm. Um is part of the whole Marvel Legacy thing. You know, we just had, you know, Jeff Lemire and, and Greg Smallwood and company just wrapped up their Moon Knight one, run. Now we're back on the next one. This new arc is called Crazy Runs in the Family. Uh, I largely dropped off of um, Lemire's run and and even stuff back there with the the Warren Ellis launch series. Warren Ellis obviously and Declan Shalvey did a, a a huge thing and just really reinvented Moon Knight. And not even changing too much per se, just changing a certain aesthetic approach to Moon Knight, but that totally reinvented the character, made him like this prestige character for creators to come in and say, like, this is my Moon Knight statement. Like, everyone kind of makes a statement on a book when they when they get on it. They, they make it their own. But Moon Knight was just like, that's your driving thing. Like, you're not just picking up the baton and continuing the narrative. It's just like, here's Moon Knight. Do something with him. Hmm. Um, anyway. So this is uh, Max Bemis's take on on uh, Moon Knight, and the, one of the fast, fascinating things with Max Bemis is that he's been very outspoken about things like bipolar disorder and mental illness. So he's that's someone rife. That kind of, that's right. That's all. all Moon Knight is about. Right. So I mean, like this is a kind of character, and I know that in the the other comic book work he's already done, forget. I think he did a book for Boom, but I don't know the name of it off the top of my head. Like has been about mental illness. So the fact that he's his first big Marvel project. Is a character who's one of his defining traits is how he's dealt with mental illness, is really is a is a good synergy there in that respect because that's something he's definitely going and does lean into in this first issue. Um, a big part of what this issue establishes also is a new arch nemesis for Moon Knight, uh, and it, it and it's this character that that we that we meet in this first issue. This first issue is very much all about him and the therapist that's trying to treat him. We get the perspective of the story from the therapist mm. uh, and we basically learned that this guy was also in the military went through I mean a series of traumatic experience, experiences but went through one in particular while serving in the military where he was being abused by fellow soldiers uh, and then these the soldiers that were abusing him caught on fire um, and the story doesn't really tell you like how did that happen or whatever like it just delves into his psychosis what the therapist has realized and who and she also apparently had treated, and maybe she's an existing Moon Knight character that I just that I didn't pick up on in some of the arcs that I missed. Um, but she also had treated Mark Specter at some point in the past. The and decided What?
0: The therapist.
1: The therapist is she's a she's a redhead um, oh. with glasses, which I know there was a therapist in Warren Ellis's run. Okay. Um, that I think ended up being Han Shu anyway. But um, so I I'd, I'd have to do some research to see. But either way she decides that sharing sort of what Mark Spector did with dealing with mental illness, like becoming the fist of Honshu by becoming Moon Knight um, and, and trying to use that same approach with this guy who she calls patient 86 um, because they don't know his real name, um, you Obviously. know, will somehow help him get better, I guess, which in hindsight, like <laughs> spoilers, it doesn't go very well. She ultimately ends up this guy that has, like, these delusions of grandeur who's dealing with, like, a severe case of bipolar and some other issues. Like, she basically comes to him and says, like, you're like, you know, Moon Knight is Hanshu, who's like the son of Amon-Ra, who's like the god of the sun or whatever in Egyptian mythology, and, like, you can be that guy, because, like, fire and all that shit, like, there's connections there. And he's like, oh yeah like that's totally me like i know who i am now uh also he apparently has like some kind of pyrokinetic abilities
0: huh
1: also all that said it's a really interesting book that again the, the issue mostly dealt with this new villain who i guess is well, probably maybe won't, maybe he's gonna go by amon ra i don't think it's side he might get a name like sun knight or something um um, but it basically deals with him. It deals with the, the therapist. It's it's written really well. Mark uh, Max Bemis uh, has a, a really nice authorial voice for his characters. Like a little snarky. I mean, he comes from like kind of a... What kind of freaking music is Say Anything? Kind of like off-punk alternative rock or something like that? Uh, it's been like probably a decade plus since I listened to Say Anything. Or at least I'm, a decade. I don't, I don't know i don't know but you know he's got that edge to him like he brings a little bit of a punk sensibility to it um someone can shoot me if i'm totally getting the genre wrong but it's good i I actually i really liked it by the end of the issue and i'm really curious about how the story continues on so for right now consider me a supporter of the book okay very interesting i almost picked up this book
0: today but you know, I'm just I'm not I'm not sure I've kind of been burned by some odd Moon Knight stories in the past. So hearing you recommend it makes me kind of want to reexamine. Maybe I'll check this out uh, when the first volume drops. I read this week a, uh, a surprising nobody, a tie in to Dark Knight's Metal, which is entitled Batman Lost. This story is about what's going on in Batman's head while he's trapped in the dark dark multiverse. It is written by Scott Snyder, James the IV, and Josh Williamson, with art by Doug Menke, Yannick Paquette, and Jorge Jimenez. And, oh boy, are they really channeling Grant Morrison in this issue? I can't explain everything that's happening all from side that it's in this it's in bruce wayne's head uh and he's he's trying and struggling against barbados and and everything that's happening he's trying to be a hero while learning of his own history and it is a meta narrative and super complex and dark knights metal is an event that i am just i'm unabashedly in love with uh it's so insane but whatever they're they want to do yeah i'm in all right let's do it like reading this issue the whole time i'm like this is bananas but I'm I'm strapped into the passenger seat that that's that of the of the vehicle that Scott Snyder is driving, and I am just letting him take the wheel. The art in this book, obviously, you have a few different writers, a few different artists, but you you really do see a cohesive vision that is going on. Uh, they they obviously find narrative ways for the art changes to make sense. Uh, and there is just some some real beautiful art and you you get a little bit hint of uh, of the um i can't remember the artist's name right here uh the yannick paquette wonder woman uh from wonder woman earth one in just the one panel that wonder woman appears in uh but as soon as i saw it i was like oh wait i i know that image i know that character uh it's really hard to cause I could sit here cause it's a little bit of a long issue. I could sit here and run you through everything where, you know, they kind of dive into this fight of bird versus bat, really solidifying the, the court of owls and kind of the importance, I guess that they've played in Bruce Wayne's history. Um, there's a lot of kind of dissection of what has Bruce Wayne himself accomplished and what has he been guided by Barbados, uh, Barbados, whatever, to accomplish in order to become the vessel in which he would uh, pierce our world. It's hard for me to review this book and say, hey, if you're not sure if you're in on Dark Knight's Metal, check this one out. I think any of the tie ins before this that have been about the specific different Bruce Waynes have been very interesting. And if you're interested in them, you can pick up the one shots and. Just go with it. This one, you need to be in on what Metal is doing, what is going on in Metal, or else don't pick up this issue. Um, But if you are reading it, if you're into it, it's totally worth it. It's not something that is going to, I think, make a huge impact on the story. But, man, did I really enjoy it because I'm 100% in on what's happening here. And that's really all I can kind of say about it. Um, all right. Yeah. There's beautiful art. There's good writing. Uh, there's also a hint on a 2018 Batman story that's coming up, according to Scott Snyder, in um, in the bookshelf uh, that I, I tried to read all the titles that I could.
1: The the Batman The Last night, probably, with Sean Sean Gordon Murphy?
0: No. So some of the ones that show up there is The Man Who Laughs, Tower of Babel, Long Halloween, uh, The Black Mirror, Under the Red Hood, uh, Daughter of the Demon, obviously, which we've seen. I can't read. The Public Enemies. Uh, There's three we've seen bunched together. The Case of the Chemical Syndicate, which is supposed to be an early Batman story. Court of Owls and No Justice. I think maybe one of those is supposed to be one of those. There's Nightfall, Dark Victory, Hush. Uh, because there's this section where like Bruce Wayne is this author who wrote on his time as being Batman. Um, a Lovely Place of Dying. Yeah, I, one of these apparently is a hint at what is to come in, in a, a 2018 storyline for Batman. So I'm curious to see what that's going to be but i don't want to take up too much time because you and i both saw thor ragnarok and yes we did let's go ahead and talk about thor ragnarok nick did you like it did you hate it where'd you come out after seeing that movie
1: i ultimately came out from a place of enjoyment uh definitely so i saw imax so i saw on like the biggest screen that you can see it on in the northeast um with like a 4k laser experience yada 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 yes all very impressive um but you know as I remember, like, when before I saw the movie, you were texting me about, like, a guy on Facebook that was, like, it's maybe too much fun. Like, it tries too hard to be funny or, like, it's, it's funny at the expense of the characters. And there is a part of me that agrees with that, especially mm. compared to how they've been portrayed in previous movies. Thor Ragnarok is very much a reinvention and a de- departure. Now... From a meta narrative sense, or whatever you want to call it, like that's not necessarily a bad thing, especially if you are solely looking at the the Thor trilogy. Like Thor Ragnarok it was something that, like the, the the Dark World and the original Thor movie, just clearly were not. You know, um, at the same time, there was a part of me that was like, I don't feel like I'm watching Thor. Like I really feel like I'm just watching Chris Hemsworth in a Thor costume romping around the Marvel universe. All that said, despite these concerns or, like, things I picked up on while watching the movie, it didn't derail my enjoyment out of it. Ultimately, it was bombastic. It was fun. Maybe in some places it was, like, just, like, so much visual overstimulation, but it w- I felt like it was, other than maybe a little bit of rushing in the beginning, uh, but, like, by the time he gets to Sakar, the movie just flows really well. So, I liked it. Oh
0: yeah, Red. I really enjoyed this. Uh, yeah, that that Facebook post by uh somebody I would call more an acquaintance than I would say like a a friend of mine. I get Facebook where Facebook
1: friends are acquaintances.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I get where I where they were coming from. He ultimately called it a bad movie overall, and I would not agree with that sentiment at all. Um, we kind of talked about I really enjoy the first Thor movie in a way that a lot of people don't, I think that it works really well as a Shakespearean drama, which I get why that is not a lot of people's jam when it comes to a superhero movie. I get it. I think Thor, uh, the dark world Thor two was largely forgettable. So for this movie to come in and you know, I I get that we kind of lose a little bit of the, the compassion and the gravitas of the character of thor but they come in they're like hey let's just have fun let's have a good time i'm super into that because there's so many superhero movies over the last couple of decades that have just not really remembered that like hey this stuff is fun and this movie was. And like it's hard for me to be like, yeah, I can I can dive in. I I do have criticisms which we'll kinda get into a little bit, but I like the 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 the, the word that came to mind watching this movie was this is Rad.
1: Uh we Radnerok. Yeah, Radner
0: I think you already made that joke to me by I the did, way. I, I, uh yeah I just want to point to people that you're not original. Um, but there's like there's the the scene near the end where Thor you know Thor doesn't have the hammer he never gets the hammer like the hammer gets broken early on I me mean, that's all in the trailers uh but he never gets it back, but there's a scene at the end where he just is powerful because he's the god of thunder he's just like taking on rows and rows of enemies with just thunder and lightning and I'm super like that's like yes, for the past couple movies, I just wanted to see him be the god of thunder. you see the Hulk punching a giant wolf yes i want that i'm super into that i they just they gave me stuff that i wanted that like even you know i maybe i wasn't fully like oh aware or demanding that i wanted but as it was happening it was like yeah no this is what i've been waiting for i saw loki use his helmet to stab a bad guy i've <laughs> been waiting for that for three that,
1: movies the scene where Bruce Banner jumps out of the Quinjet or whatever freaking spaceship they're in, he's like, "Who are?" And, 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 and Tesla lands. Thompson, we'll I'll get to Tesla Thompson in a second, but it's like, "Who are?" He's like, "You'll find out soon enough." And just, you think shit's about to hit the pan, and the Hulk's coming to save the day, and just fucking splat, dude! I on the, on the Rainbow that, Bridge.
0: That was the f- like the the moment that people in our theater laughed at the most. And there was a guy sitting near us who just was passed out asleep. Until that moment, because everybody in the theater was laughing so hard, <laughs> that was a beautiful. Because you like, yeah, all right, he's gonna land and be the Hulk, and that's gonna be really cool, and I'm into that. But like, part of me was like, I kind of hope that that Banner just lands there, and it happened, and I, oh, I was so happy.
1: Now, from a story perspective, does Banner do like Banner when... can't be killed, man. They say banner can't be killed, right. But it's not like but and like he says that he like shot a bullet into his mouth, but if he if he shot a bullet he says in a pre in a previous movie, if oh, he shoot a bullet into your mouth, like he would have had to have changed into the Hulk instantly in order to spit it out. You know what I mean? Like that that was his whole thing. Well, I, 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 I shot a bullet in my mouth and the Hulk spit it out. I also, but this, like okay. he crashes and like I mean a hard hit and they zoom in on him real quick. And then and he's like twitching. He's like twitching. But like, so I mean, he could be like just barely alive enough. that he turns into the Hulk, but I'm I just wondering because one of the concerns he raises early in the movie is I was just the Hulk for two years. Like I'm afraid that if I Hulk out again, there might be no coming back. And there he is fucking half dead now on the rainbow bridge and then turns into the Hulk. And what does at that the mean end of the, for the banner side, at the,
0: at the end of the movie, he's still the Hulk. He has not right. turned back. And I think uh, they've said that they're going to explore that, in that 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 arc that's been set up they're gonna continue to explore in infinity war with the other 85 characters that movie is balancing we'll see how much we're gonna get of that uh you said you wanted to talk a little bit about tessa thompson
1: why don't you go ahead just just in general tessa thompson was awesome from the second she showed up in the movie like she has so much swagger i wanted to see a movie just about Valkyrie. The um,
0: the scenes of the Valkyries fighting Hela in, like, the banishment dimension
1: were so beautifully done. Right. But Tessa Toppin, just, like, her interactions with people, like, you know, obviously, like, the movie was, like, meant for laughs and stuff, and maybe she was up playing it up a little bit. But just, like, she had such disdain, you could tell, for, like, both the work that she was doing, for the people around her, for her history. Like, she clearly was someone trying to escape but the swagger was on point when she was fighting, like the fight that she did with Loki. Um, or I don't know, it's hard like without to really the scene, but she was she was great. That There's
0: I tough- really yeah. liked because they like they established like the Valkyries are this legendary fighting force, and then you have her going up against you know a god, and she just easily like handles him. Uh, not to say like he doesn't put up like a a decent fight, but like she you know she's ready and prepared to. To handle them and, and do what she needs to do
1: uh and that's I, the the weird thing is with these characters like as much as they said they came from Asgard and they're gods and stuff like that they very much came off as not gods like <laughs> yeah. they, everyone was dying in Asgard. like the spoilers yeah, so... the warriors three die and like they all felt very very human not and i felt like compared to even like thor one maybe even extent thor two the the feeling of them actually being gods. I mean, they say that they're gods, like Thor refers himself as the god well, of thunder.
0: yeah, they. I mean, they 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 kind of say yeah. In this one, they say like you're the god of thunder, Hela's the god of death. But they do kind of say in the first like Thor movie that oh, like ancient civilizations would have viewed them as gods, even if they're not
1: necessarily gods. Right, right, but they didn't feel as again. It was Chris Hemsworth in a fucking Thor costume.
0: So. <laughs> yes and yes and no from my perspective i get where you're coming from on that though though the referring to what you're saying of like these people didn't feel like gods the people dying left and right on asgard that is where i felt the movie was kind of the weakest was the uh the asgard stuff because you have like the warriors three getting killed very simply um and then we don't have any follow-up to that they right. they die their bodies hit the floor and we move on instantly we don't have Thor mourning the death of his best friends right yeah, abs- or acknowledging it in any sense uh, you know we we, we get we're, we're told how powerful Hela is and then see her destroying Asgard just like handily and that like I, I appreciate that like seeing that actually but then there's just, there's just no real weight. To it. Uh the even like the Idris Elba stuff. I really like Idris Elba. I like the character of Heimdall. He's given more screen time, but he's not really given a lot to do in what he's shown there. There is just a lot of real missed opportunities with Asgard itself. Uh but the stuff on Sakaar was super great. The visuals there were just amazing. I am convinced that Jeff Goldblum's not even acting anymore. (laughs) that's just he's just being jeff goldblum oh man that so there's been a few like uh, scenes in um in kind of uh like the like the 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 stingers like mid credits and in credit scenes in a couple of recent marvel movies that haven't really felt as important as maybe people would hope you know like because in the first couple they were really setting up the next couple of movies and now they're just kind of like here's an additional scene to the film here's a deleted scene that you're not gonna you know you would normally just get on like the dvd But like that scene where he crawls out and is like well you you guys had a great revolution i too played my part because you need someone to overthrow uh let's just uh let's call it a draw let's call it a tie like that that scene didn't add, you know, like, oh, what's gonna happen next to Thor and the Avengers, but man, I want more gold bloom. And it gave me just a little bit more gold bloom. And now here's my big question. When are we getting the Korg film?
1: <laughs> Korg. That was Korg was great, like Meek obviously was just kinda like making sounds and you, all that. Do you get the, do you get the joke?
0: Do you get the joke? Korg was Korg had blades, Korg was scissors. Uh or not Korg, uh Warg was
1: scissors hands.
0: Yeah, he was scissors. And then what happens at the end, Korg thinks that he's killed him because he stepped on him because rock beats scissors.
1: Oh crap. I didn't even pick up on that.
0: It's so Oh and then here's the, like it even goes deeper than that. Uh, because Korg says early on that his uh, revolution failed because he didn't print enough pamphlets, which means that paper
1: beat rock. I didn't pick up on that at all. Holy crap. I'm so dense when I watch movies. No, that to be um, to
0: be fair, that that one there someone pointed out to me later. So I don't wanna like take credit that I like I, I caught on to some amazing revelation. I wish that I had, because that's amazing.
1: The okay, yeah, no, Korg, Korg was great, and apparently, he. This isn't the last time we're going to see him. I, I feel like God. everyone that's on the deck of that ship, uh, we're going to get more. Which is like crap. They're all there, and like that's probably Thanos's ship there, right at the end. Um, you know, was oh, that who that was? I'm assuming it was Thanos's ship. I don't know who else is who else is it would be at this Dude, point. So, like maybe the Black Order's on board or something. So I I really liked where they left
0: kind of things off uh, Asgard, you know, the Asgardian people are kind of without a world. Now they're on a ship just kind of floating through space, heading towards earth. I mean, let's talk about the fact that Thor has an eye patch now.
1: Yeah, that's so on one hand, it was interesting that they gave him, you know, like they, they did change him in some physical way. At the same time, it was almost like what they did when they revealed that Nick Fury had like a black son. They wanted to make Ultimate Nick Fury in the regular Marvel universe, and it's just they went through this whole hand-fisted way of like, "Oh, now you're now you've lost an eye, just like your father. Ergo, now you get to have an, uh, an eye patch." And oh, by the way, your name's also Nick Fury Jr. Um, maybe not as on the noses, like it's a bit of like it is poetic symmetry or whatever you want to call it that like now he's like the, like not only see the king of asgard but like hey he's just like Odin he's got he's missing an eye and he's got an eye patch like that's it is it's kind of on the nose like it's, if anything it's... they could have done like what he like he's lost his arm in the comics like he could have a missing arm or something yeah
0: it, it is a little bit on the nose i uh i i think that reading kind of some stuff from like the director and what they were trying to do is they were just you know they were really trying to break thor down in a lot of ways you know they they had him without a home they, they you know they they took away his home they wanted to do something physical to him that represented like a represented a change that he would lose something i think i think the reason that they, they they didn't go with an arm is because they did the arm thing last movie where he you know quote unquote lost an arm and you know how many people were watching that film and like remember every minute of the dark world uh but i think yeah i i do agree it's a little on the nose like you're you know you're now like your father but dude how often are comics outside of even the nick fury stuff like how often are comics just on the nose you oh
1: know? i mean totally like they are like it's It wasn't enough to detract from the overall enjoyment of the film. It was just something that I was like, oh, like I see what you did there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I actually thought this was actually Anthony Hopkins' best outing as Odin.
1: Probably because he knew he was getting out of it by the end. Not (laughs) to know exactly where his headspace has been in all the movies. But like the fact when it was him, him playing Loki pretending to be Odin. And then, like him, kind of sending himself off to his death or whatever. I mean, like
0: he is so phoned it in for so many films, you know, up to films. But still, just the like the the two other times he's been Odin, I'm like, you are here for a paycheck. And this was like the one time that I felt like you're actually enjoying what you're doing.
1: Right, right. He did, you know, for the brief scenes that he was in there. He he definitely did a good job. Um you know, especially that bit, like, oh, I I remember, I remember leaving the Dark World and being like, holy crap, they left it with, like, Loki in control of Asgard, like, and to me, by the end of the Dark World, like, yeah, they kind of make you feel sorry for Loki and all that, like, post-Avengers, like, he was his villain, but he's, like, complicated and, like, you understand him, but, like, he's still a villain, you know what I mean? And this movie went a long way to be like, yeah, he's still up to, like, tricks, but he almost, it almost felt kind of pathetic, like, how, like, predictable loki was like even at that um when it, he's gonna betray thor when they were going up the elevator and they did the yeah uh, help me or whatever the game was called um
0: well yeah and they had that great moment of thor recognizing that
1: this was going to be a betrayal right like and like that's on one hand that's that's like a great character recognition but also just like i don't know like they wanted to be here but he's up to his old tricks and I, it was just i felt like in, in many ways this was the weakest outing for Thor as Thor and Loki as Loki. I And it's again, the weakest but not doesn't mean that it was weak. It was just I had a hard time seeing Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Especially like I had a hard time from the beginning of the movie but by the time he got his hair cut like he has freaking blonde hair like Thor is I'm talking about in the movies like he's blonde. Like Thor's not dyeing his own hair. He gets a haircut and suddenly he's he has like auburn brown hair. I mean, dude,
0: hair when it's cut short can look a bit different. This coming from a guy who, you know, if my uh, hair was grown out, it actually looks a lot more blonde than it does right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm like almost bald right now. and like, I, I'm watching my hair grow but like, it's yeah, still it basically the pathetic. same color as it will be when it's fully like, I'm just, and I realize things like that can happen, but I just, it's like totally a nitpick. It was just the second he cut his hair, I was like, "Hey, that's Chris Hemsworth. Like, he doesn't look like Thor anymore, other than he's wearing like a Thor chest plate." Well, uh, but Loki the, but that's... looked like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I, I've heard a couple so people mention that one. Did. Um,
0: I, I, I get what you're saying that this is their their weakest outings as the character, but I don't like. Uh, I think part of the problem too is that they are also so comfortable in these characters at this point that they've been doing them for a real long time Uh, maybe you know uh, thor and loki are both set up for the next two avengers movies um i'll be i mean i'm super curious to see how thanos is going to react to loki I think that's going to be kind of a big part of that character arc. He's going to kind of become a de facto Avenger of like uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of thing, or the enemy of the guy that I've eternally pissed off is my friend. Uh, I, yeah, I will agree that it is not necessarily the character depth wise is not their strongest outing. But I just keep coming back to like like this is a movie that cannot have been made as Thor one. This is the only movie that can be made as Thor three where we have the other like we have the foundation, we have the characterization in seven other films. That by the time we get to this it's like, Hey, we're just gonna have a good time and I'm like, Yeah, I'm into it. I'm down wow. for
1: that. And I definitely had a good time. And weird aside, I agree with you. Like this is this had to have been like a Thor three or whatever, um, which makes me wondering why DC on the flip side is apparently making the first Flash solo movie, Flashpoint, when he will have had one other appearance. I guess technically two would be kind of besides, but one significant appearance, and then he's going right into the Flashpoint movie. Um, it's just anyway, that was a weird aside. But yeah, overall. Regardless of any nitpicks or, or criticisms or whatever I have of the film, none of that prevented it from rising to an overall really enjoyable experience. It'll be very interesting to see how a lot of those story details um, weave into Avengers Infinity War. And just like, if, so now, like, presumably, I'll be curious because everyone that's on the deck of that ship is important now. Like, you've got Valkyrie, you've got the Hulk, you've got Hemdels there, you've got Loki, Thor. Korg, Meek, um, and obviously some characters will play bigger roles than others in Avengers Infinity War. Like, Avengers Infinity War will be about the Avengers characters, uh, but you've already got Guardians of the Galaxy in there. You're going to have Thanos in the Black Order. But, like, are they going to do something where... Are we going to, like, jump to an an Avengers Infinity War? Like, we're going to be, like, partway into the story already. Like, Thanos is already attacking Earth. Or, like, maybe we'll be introduced to, like, Thor's Asgard ship crashing on Earth or them getting to Earth with Thanos coming right behind... You know what I mean? Like, I'm just really curious where we get from that scene in the post credits to the beginning of Avengers infinity war. And don't forget before that, we've got black Panther in February. We
0: do. And, uh, just kind of, as we're wrapping up here, these are all really great, great questions. I'm very curious to see how this is all going to (laughs) kick off and I'm sure we'll have, we should be getting, uh, some trailers before long. I'm surprised we haven't had any trailers yet to be perfectly honest. Um, We'll, we'll be getting some trailers and some speculation coming up here. I just want to point out that the reason that the, you know, the Warriors 3, two of them got taken down without so much as a fight. Uh oh, we didn't even talk about the Doctor Strange stuff. We don't have the time. Um uh, the reason that the Asian warrior of the Warriors 3 uh lived as long as he did is because he's the reason that that movie makes money overseas that there is an entire additional scene to Thor the Dark World in which he fights some people for a couple of minutes because that's what the Asian market wants to see. So if you're wondering, hey, why do those two guys die like chumps and the other guy got to at least say a couple of lines, that's why.
1: Interesting. I mean, I knew that they've, they've that there have been other movies that have filmed additional scenes for like Chinese audiences and other Asian markets. It should happen um, in
0: Iron Man 3 as well.
1: Yep, um, but that's I did not I did not know that that was also the case for Thor Ragnarok. I'd be curious to see what that extra scene was that was filmed with him, separate from the extended scene he had in this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I
0: think uh, that's about going to do it for the show. We you know uh, talked so long here that we don't really have time to do recommendations. Uh, I think we would both recommend, though, that people should go see Thor Ragnarok if you have not yet. And if you listened to us talk about it and didn't go see Thor Ragnarok... A few minutes into the film, you're going to get a scene in which uh, Matt Damon, Luke Hemsworth, and Sam O'Neill all appear as actors in Asgard. You're welcome. Really, even knowing that is not going to diminish how great that scene is. So, go see the film. Uh, If you want to reach us, head over to heckyatcomics.com or email us at heckyatcomics at gmail.com. You can find me, David Luzader, on Twitter Snapchat, Instagram, under the username Davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. You can find Nick. boy. I don't know. Doing whatever the F Nick does most days at the username Nick. Look it up. And, of course, you can find us here next week. Same heck yeah time. Same heck yeah channel. Until then, goodbye.
1: the
0: worst episode ever.